And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond-Rich. How we doing? Jordan, we've reached training camp. Congratulations. I, I feel like you should earn like a medal or something for, for actually having reached the point where um, on Wednesday here, you will be actually able to watch the, uh, the Rams practice at UC Irvine. I know you've been down there getting all the uh, the run-up, all the access with Sean McVay and some of the players as they report to training camp. So how does it feel? Hello, first and foremost, from my hotel room in Newport <laughs> Beach, California. It rained here uh, this week, which was yes. wild. Did not think that happened in, in uh, Southern California. But, you know, it's it's been really cool so far. You know, it's been it, it's been great being back in person. And, and obviously, so many people have taken adequate responsibility and to protect themselves and to protect others. And, and, and so it's been nice to be feel almost normal out here. Um, in terms of being around the team and the team itself, um, almost normal with with guys able to be around each other and coaches able to be around each other, media being able to do in person interviews, that has just been um, just cathartic, you know. Because last year, you know, my first year on this beat, the whole year is virtual, so to be able to actually see guys, talk to guys, and it's important too. Um, and and people, you know, forget too that. So much of training camp is sizing everybody up and figuring out who really yeah. worked on themselves through the offseason and who really is able to compete. And these com competitions by certain positions um, are going to get really heated, I think, Rich. There's some really tight, tight ones coming up here. Um, so it feels really good to know that I'll be able to be out there and actually watch football happening in August and July. And it's, it's, a, it's a really good feeling. Yeah, I'll bet. And let's, you know, I, I know there's some areas we want to go to. It's been since our last episode, you know, we need to cover the Cam Akers situation and, and what happened there and maybe what they're going to do at running back. I think there were some interesting things over the last couple of days about the center position. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, uh, that we want to talk about. But it's, Jordan, since you mentioned it and, and kind of the, the COVID protocols and, and how things are changed. I mean, it, it kind of a kind of a swing over those those two days because uh, you know you, you heard from Sean McVay and 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 things sounded very positive. Uh, you know, uh, I forget the exact phrasing that he used, but almost the entire team had been vaccinated, and he was pretty confident that almost everybody would be vaccinated by the time the season started. And then just just mere hours after that, um, you get news that uh, Tutu. Atwell had been placed on the COVID uh, restricted list. So maybe if people, you know, I, I know these things move so fast and change. Can you can you maybe walk people through like what that means for him right now and, and maybe what it means for his teammates as opposed to maybe how it was different from from last year? Yeah, I think the reality of the situation is that it's going to be tough sledding for for Tutu Atwell coming into his first ever NFL training camp. Not only was the team trying to get him to gain about six pounds, the roster has him listed at 165. He told us on Sunday that um, he's actually 155 and they'd like to get him to 160 or 161. So that was his big goal coming into training camp. Um, so so basically how the structure all works was uh, is uh, media comes and we reported on Sunday and then we took our COVID test. Um, we are all vaccinated. That was one of the requirements to cover this in person is to be all fully vaccinated. Right. So but still, they want to take that extra precaution because there are some of those breakthrough tests that we've been seeing, particularly with the, the Delta variant being so prevalent in California, statistically speaking. So um, we did take our tests. And so then we were all good to go. And we. Uh, 
all went and had our, our interviews with um, some of the rookies who, who arrived. And so Tutu came and, and did, it was among the, the guys who, who did speak as a handful of guys who spoke on that Sunday going about our business. Um, and then on Monday, Sean McVeigh mentioned to us that the team, the entire staff is fully vaccinated, by the way. And that includes, um, sort of, uh, people you don't often see in the spotlight, equipment guys, team trainers and personnel people, interns who are here for camp, you know, PR, all, all of those, everybody, support staff, everybody is, is vaccinated. Scouts, all the scouts are here, by the way, which is kind of cool because yeah. you know how how nerdy I got into all that stuff. So it was nice <laughs> to finally see some of these guys in person. And so everybody's fully vaccinated. And then he, he said that the team is close to 100%. That's no small feat considering what's been going mm-hmm. around on around the league and on some teams um, in public forums and, and privately. And so I think that Reggie Scott deserves a major, major shout out for the efforts that he put in to educate guys in a, in a patient way, I think is the best way I'd describe it, because we all know how much misinformation is out there. And also to allow people the space to have a two-way dialogue about how they felt and what their thoughts, feelings, uh, worries, emotions, um, questions, anything. And Andrew Whitworth talked a little bit about that today, um, shedding some insight on what that process was like. So anyway, so Sean tells us um, around 11.30 that they're almost uh, 100% there. And then about 1 p.m., the news comes that Tutu Atwell uh, has been placed on the COVID reserve list. So here's here's what happens now. So unvaccinated players in the NFL at this point in time are adhering to the 2020 protocol, which says you have to spend 10 days in quarantine, in isolation, um, if you have had a positive test. Um, and remember, the COVID list is uh, for close contacts and for positive tests. So if you ha- did have a positive test and you are on an unvaccinated player, you have to spend 10 days in quarantine. Um, and if you are a vaccinated player, all you need to present are two negative tests that are 24 hours apart. So the samples were taken with a 24 window in between. So um, that's where we're at right now. Uh, Rams fans in you know very short time will be able to make their own deductions about this situation. So I'm not going to get too far into it. Um, but basically, if you miss time as a player – if you miss a substantial amount of time, and especially if you're a rookie, you are at an, a pretty extreme disadvantage because you're missing the entire onboarding, um, the first you know pads day. You're missing the first on-field work, and you're also missing that that contact with teammates. So it's it's a pretty huge disadvantage at this point, um, unfortunately for Tutu because he is he was already sort of fighting for a spot among the snap share in a very competitive and crowded receivers room. Yeah, we, we see that every year, unfortunately, and, and usually it's kind of the first, you know, day of training camp or whatever. Somebody, you know, pulls a hamstring or a groin or something, and it, it's just it's those young guys that you can't. It, it's almost like every day you lose is like three days because you you know you need that work so much at, at the start. And and this is not like last year where everybody was kind of you know trying to play catch up. They were all kind of in the same boat. I mean, a lot of these guys have now been through OTAs. They've had a whole off season, and and they're ready to go. They're hitting the ground running right now and and if you're a guy who has to sit and watch for however many days it may be uh that's that you're not going to get those days back and uh you know there's obviously a lot of competition in that receiver room we're talking about uh, the, the veterans already there and you're talking about bringing in deshaun jackson uh, van jefferson i mean this, this is not going to be something that was real easy uh for tutu atwell anyway so um you know hope hope that everything's going well for him first of all and and that uh, he's able to get back on the field but uh yeah it, it sounds jordan like you know, because I'm sure everybody who's listening probably already knows. You know that the NFL is is uh, not not messing around, not messing around with with some of these uh, protocol that they're talking about. And and if you uh, you know if a game has to be canceled because of of unvaccinated players who uh, you know cause a, a, you know cause a game not to be played, you know people aren't going to get paid that sort of thing. So I, I, I'm sure that uh, like you said, Reggie Scott probably a lot of work, a lot of conversations. Uh, over over the summer to to uh, inform guys and and of course it's not mandatory at the end of the day there's nothing that they can do uh, to to force them uh, to to do this uh, it's, it's it is at the end of the day their decision but I'm sure that uh, the Rams are are both uh, in, you know informing them uh, about. 
uh, you know, the, the science and, and also informing them, hey, you know, if, if you don't do this, this is what you could potentially be doing uh, to yourself and, and to your teammates. So not surprising that the Rams would kind of be out front with that sort of thing. But uh, I, I imagine Sean McVay, Les need everybody has to feel has to feel pretty good about that right now. Yeah, and I think one of the big things that we saw uh, sort of over the weekend too was certain teams have had in instances, and the the Vikings come to mind, where you know a, a staff member, a prominent assistant, has you know sort of refused to take the vaccine and get the vaccine, right. and you know they it was Denison up in Minnesota, and mm -hmm. they sort of renegotiated his position. So now he's in an advisory role, and he won't get any contact with players. And so right. I think um, the steps that that the NFL are, is taking um, to try to limit the potential spread of any possibility of this, uh, limit breakouts, limit things like that that we saw um, at times last year. And sometimes it feels like a miracle that they even got through the season last yeah. year. And obviously, you know, a lot of guys did get sick. Um, hopefully everybody is doing okay and not suffering any, any long-term effects, but, um, it's just you, one of the things that I can imagine is uh, absolutely crucial for Sean and his staff is the fact that they will still be able to have that contact. And, you know, my impression of a lot of these guys is that they were already like, you know, pro science <laughs> in the first right. place right. and, uh, you know, stoked on science. Uh, however, uh, you just never know sometimes, but in the, when you put in the factor of, um, you know, the competition, then absolutely, uh, it seems like it would probably be pretty easy to, to get these guys on board in terms of the assistance. Right. Right. Well, Jordan, it's it, we're we're just getting started uh, with with training camp and and these practices are are you know I know people are going to get a chance to go down and watch some of them in Irvine too and I'm really excited for those fans who haven't uh, been able to really watch very much. I guess one of those practices was open in June, so some people got a chance um, at at SoFi Stadium. But this is really kind of the first publicly uh, you know available uh, uh, practice for for those fans in such such a long time. So happy happy for them. Training camps a, a great atmosphere. Jordan, I know you're going to get your first taste of of UC Irvine. I, I love the setup down there. Hopefully, it's not going to be ninety some degrees during the practices as it has been. Uh, pro tip you can you can go sit up in the stands there's nice canopies uh, if, if it gets a little too hot so uh, I, I I'll admit I did that uh, a couple times but uh, really looking forward to uh, to, to that but uh, Jordan, I think we should talk about Cam Akers. Um, and uh, obviously, we're not breaking any news when when we say that uh, you know just before uh, you know players were getting to ready to report here, we unfortunately found out that Cam Akers tore his Achilles, and he will be out for the season. Jordan has covered this extensively already uh, at the Athletic on the app and website. So please, if you haven't already been on board to to check out all of her coverage, not only of that injury and of the fallout. Um, please, please do that right now or after this podcast is over, then, then do it. Uh, but uh, Jordan, wh what do we think? What, what are you going to be looking at here as, as training camp opens with these running backs? Um, I, I, I think there's a problem here. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not, I, I know I'm probably not, you know, breaking any gr tremendous ground there, but uh, from the Rams perspective, I, I'm a little worried here, but, but you know, what, what, what are you hearing about, um, about that group of running backs? And, and is there anything in particular that, that you're going to be watching when, when this gets going? Yeah. So I, I, I would be surprised if they, at any point in the next one two, three months if they don't bring anybody in from the outside. Yeah. Um, just for that depth. And and we've seen them do it in the past where they've um and it worked out very well for them, in fact, uh, where they've kind of waited and still brought someone in and then kind of kept that guy fresh until they needed him. Yeah. So I think I'm not surprised by the way that they're playing things right now, and I'm not surprised by what could possibly happen in the future in terms of maybe bringing somebody in. First and foremost, the losing Cam Akers for the season is really brutal, not just on the level of, you know, it, it's a blow to their scheme. It's a blow to their uh, sort of projections for what they wanted to accomplish in the run game this year behind Cam Akers at lead back. It's also just was such an emotional loss for this team. And, you know, 
especially right before camp, you know, that it's, it's, it's the players coming into camp and having each other and being able to sort of, um, regroup, I think, uh, was healthy to be able to have because it really, really reverberated throughout the locker room, um, that news. And it was really tough to, for coaches who all love cam, um, for players who all love cam, Um, he's just a good dude and he's really, and I wrote this in my column last week. Um, he's just a joy to be around for teammates and for coaches. And he did so many little things behind the scenes when he really started to hit his stride last year. One of the things I really like to point to was how he talked to his linemen between snaps. Mm. Andrew Whitworth used to share a little bit about this too last year. And there was a great mic'd up episode that the Rams put out that was featured cam Akers and, he just talks to his linemen and it's not, sometimes it's not even like directional. It just is either lifting them up or firing them up or just saying right. stuff that just um, in the moment they, you know, it's just, I, I'm right here, man. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm with you. I'm here. Right. And just um, trying to continue to keep that run game as an entity, you know, a closed fist instead of, you know, one guy and then five up front, you know? Right. And I think that that is such a special um, sort of personal attribute for a player. And then Rich, not even to get into all the work he put in to make sure that he could be in every down back for the Rams this year, um, making sure that he could, um, you know, stay on the field for all three downs, doing all of that pass pro work with Thomas Brown. And I think that that's, it just, you know, and I wrote this in my column, um, it sucks. I mean, there's just no, there's no way around it yeah. because he, you yeah. know, everybody loves this guy. Media loves him, coaches, fans, you know, and this was going to be a really, a really big year for him. So, but, but it's, you know, it's football. And so you have to move forward. And so Daryl Henderson, his number is definitely being called. He has been, it's been put out there um, very, very clearly by Sean McVay that he is the lead back of this room right now. And that's how it should be without Cam Akers. Daryl Henderson is, the most experienced, and he also is an extremely talented running back. You know, Sean McVay went so far as to sort of laugh it off when when a, uh, someone asked him, you know, do it, could w- will we see Daryl Henderson in the preseason? He's like, no, we will not be seeing Daryl Henderson right, in the preseason. Right, this right. dude's starting, right? And and Sean, you know, especially the especially after last season, um, knowing that they could get things done and get them done well without a preseason. It's more motivation than ever to not play his starters in the preseason, by the way. And so, um, you know, it, it's Daryl is, is really, really talented and he's very versatile and he has that explosive ability. And Sean McVay did say that he thinks that he could be in every down back, that he is in every down back. However, he also added, and I think fairly that mm-hmm. the big question with Daryl is availability in terms of those little things. <clears throat> I don't know what Daryl Henderson has been doing off to the side with that extra work, the same that, that Cam Akers has been doing with Thomas Brown, because he had not been available in the spring. Even right. in the spring, he was working through some injury stuff. Right. So that that's a, a huge question for me right now. And so I think w- what's more likely is that they figure out what a rotation is what um what his carry count will be in complement with a couple of the other guys and I'm thinking more so um Xavier Jones and Jake Funk what that rotation will be like and I know that Sean McVay was probably looking forward to not being in a, in a committee this year but in terms of maximizing Daryl Henderson's availability and then also continuing to have an effective run game and keep him healthy while also giving him sort of the lion's share of snaps you need to probably have a rotation. It's kind of like what we talk about with Terrell Lewis, where you could have a really, really strong pass rush out of him, a really efficient pass rush out of him, but you probably got to keep him on a pitch count. So that's, that's, we're looking at, I think a similar situation here and they're being patient because they don't know. They don't, there's a lot of things they don't know. We'll get to the schematic stuff in a minute, Rich, but they just, they don't know, first of all, how he looks yet because he didn't practice with them much in the spring because he was working on the side with trainers and it wasn't full, full speed. And they don't know how things are going to go when everyone's in pads. And they also have to see what these other guys have too, these young guys. So um, there's no veteran right now out there on the free agency market that 
really moves the needle for them. So really it's smart to be patient right now because you have to know what you have. And you also are scouring other teams. You're scouring other preseason rosters, other preseason tape from the pro scouts. You're looking at all of that to see if there is another guy who can help you and might get cut from his own team. Right. I, I was going to say in, in your one to three month timeline, like I, I think the the first, you know, big thing that you're going to look at is is at the end of training camp, um, because you, you, you do want to look at those teams right now where hmm, maybe they've got three running backs in their camp that, that all could be potential, you know, players. And, you know, may I don't know whether you end up having to throw a draft pick at them at some point or you just, you know, you wait it out and see who gets cut and, and who you can pick up. Uh, but I, I really think that's the next move. I mean, obviously, when this when this injury got reported. It, it, you know, everybody started saying, oh, Adrian Peterson, oh, Frank Gore, Duke Johnson, you know, even people saying Todd Gurley, which just made me bang my head against the wall. But um, but that's not the move. Those those are not the moves that, that you're going to make right now. I mean, those are those are panic moves. Those are those are guys you sign if you want to get through one game um, and but but not when you're planning for for an entire season. So I I. I agree with you 100%, Jordan. I, I expect them to be scouring uh, and, and you know, keeping track on a, on a daily basis how those running backs are looking on, on some teams to, to get a sense of uh, who might be available and, and do they like those guys and, and or will they be able to get them, you know, just off waivers or are they going to have to throw a fourth round pick at somebody? Like, you know, what, what's it going to take to get where they need to go? I, I understand Sean's optimism about Daryl Henderson. If I were him, I would be saying exactly the same things and I would be hoping exactly the same things. But uh, I mean, Sean said it right himself. The guy's got to be able to stay on the field and it, it's not a knock on Daryl. It's not like he hasn't been doing anything right or, you know, that, that he's has been causing this to happen. I don't I don't believe that's the case at all. It's just that he, he hasn't had much luck, especially with some of these, you know, whether it's ankle or, or soft tissue injuries that he's had. It's been really hard for him uh, to, to stay out there and, and, and get a, you know, get a pretty good share of the carries. I mean, I just looked it up. He's, you know, he's been in the league for two years. He's had more than 15 carries in a game one time, one time in two years. So, so to say that you think you're going to be able to lean on Daryl Henderson to be your guy to get, you know, 18, 20, 22 carries um, a week. Uh, I mean, for 17 games, for 17 games, like I, I guess anything is possible. But I, I don't think you can go in uh, uh, betting on that. So and and then, you know, behind him. And, and then the other thing is, as we all know, uh, after you get behind Daryl Henderson on the depth chart, there's not a single running back who's touched the ball in a regular season game. Right. When you're talking about Xavier Jones, Raymond Calais. Uh, Jake Funk, O.J. Anderson Jr. I mean, none of these guys, some of them have played special teams, uh, but but none of them have even touched the ball in, 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 an, in an NFL game. So, I, you know, we'll see. They're, they're certainly doing the smart thing, I think, with with Daryl Henderson. You, you don't you don't put him out there in preseason. That would be that would be ridiculous. But um what about Xavier Jones, Jordan? Like what? I mean, he's a name that I, I think people were kind of drawn to, um, you know, most immediately when you when you look at maybe those four guys who are who are the internal. Uh, he's a little bit bigger. He's he's five eleven. Is you know, got got a little more heft to him than 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 Daryl Henderson. Um, obviously, put up huge numbers at at SMU. Could could you see him kind of being in that? Uh, kind of tandem. I'm not saying Jones is Cam Akers by any means, but but is he a guy in terms of style, like you were talking about, like who who could maybe maybe make that fit? Yeah, you know, I I like Xavier Jones. I think that um, he could. I really do think he could surprise some people this year. Um, really like his running style, and I think that he impressed people even in training camp enough to stick to the initial roster when the Rams already had three running backs um, in Daryl Henderson, in Cam Akers, and in Malcolm Brown, he still impressed enough to to stick to that initial um, and, and make it through that initial cut down and then contributed mostly on special teams, but was available if they needed him late in the season when um, you know Cam and Daryl both were a little touch and go with some ankle issues. So I like his running style. I think that we could be looking at a very similar, you know, running back by committee situation um, if if they are worried about Daryl Henderson's availability. And it, it's going to be interesting to see because I think that you can do schematically 
some of the things that you did with Cam Akers with Xavier Jones, but at what level? And part of this too, and I wrote a column about this earlier this week, because something that McVeigh said was really interesting to me about um, the schematic changes that he'd incorporated into his run game. And we've talked about this before, Rich. Um, he has, you know, obviously we know the Shanahan wide zone. That's what Sean started out running that. Yeah. And as he got different types of running backs and as he um, sort of started to uh, gravitate more towards specific types of backs, he started to incorporate maybe a little bit more gap concepts, trap concepts, um, some power, things that were maybe less of that wide, wide stretched out zone and maybe a little tighter inside. Mm -hmm. And I think that especially as Cam started to hit his stride last year, that's something that they began to integrate more and more of. And Sean McVay agreed with that when I, when I asked him this week and he said, yeah, it was, it was right in alignment with some of Cam Akers' patience and, and his skill set. Now I think Daryl Henderson can do that. Um, but I don't, he, they did not do it much with him specifically last year. So that's where I'm wondering how that, changes schematically because it was very successful, especially with their offensive line, who they had. Um, and, and also with, with cam, it, it started to be very successful. He rushed for, you know, over, you know, 600, over 650 yards through the last several games of, of the season, including the postseason, And that's when he really started to, to gain his momentum. So right. I'm curious about that, but that also will sort of tell us, what they're leaning toward at center. Now I I know mm. that Austin Corbett is going to open camp as the starting center and I he said he said as much today. I asked him directly cuz you know Sean kind of did the gamesmanship thing this <laughs> week where he's like, "Well, you know, it's Brian Allen could compete and all that stuff." Well, I asked I just asked Austin directly today and I was like, "Is that something you think you can can have secured?" He said, "Yeah." Um, but was very respectful toward Brian and, and obviously, right. you know, loves the guy and they, they get along really well and they're great teammates. Brian Allen's been working a little at right guard as well, um, on the second team. But anyway, right. so, but, but Austin Corbett fits the prototype of the center that maybe Sean was sort of moving toward. And this is what they wanted to do in the spring after, you know, they, they lost Austin Blythe, but, but it might've happened anyway that Austin Corbett would have taken over, um, mm. at center because he, he's just a little more powerful, especially in his lower body and, and has a little bit more of that power to get those concepts going to go downhill a little bit more. And with the wide zone guys, you, and you saw this in the way that they drafted too. And then the way that they didn't draft specifically, because the way that they drafted right. when they were running that wider zone was toward guys like Brian Allen, who are smaller uh, than the prototypical center, who are lighter. This is Austin Blythe as well. Yeah. And um, and then they did not draft guys this year. I mean, they didn't draft anybody in the draft for at center, by the way, if, in case you missed that. Um, <laughs> but they, they specifically were, had certain guys available who would have fit that wide zone profile and they did not take them. And that was intentional right. because they were moving away from that. Um, but then Cam Akers got hurt. So now that's my question is I, I don't doubt that Austin Corbett will be that guy, but how much of that other stuff can you run that stuff that was successful for you? Can you run that with Daryl? Um, can you run that with Xavier Jones? And I, I think that Xavier Jones might, that that's part of the, what they're trying to see through camp is, are they going to be able to run that stuff with Xavier Jones? I would love to tell you guys when I see it, I will not be allowed to per media access rules. <laughs> I'll try to send up some yeah. sort of signal, but um, I, I would love to, to talk about that. But it's going to be something that, of course, they're going to kind of play close to the vest because not only does that have implications about their offensive line in general, it also has implications on their their run plan and then what they do or do not do um, once cutdowns happen. Yeah, and and I guess this is kind of my thing with with Daryl, and like I, I I like him a lot as as a player, and and so like nothing I say should be taken as like a a, a knock uh, against him, but like I, I think people 
kind of need to remember the trajectory here. Like, I mean, Daryl Henderson got drafted in, in 2019 when Todd Gurley was coming off his, you know, all-world offensive player of the year, 2,000 yards from scrimmage um, season. And and the <laughs> the hope, the expectation at the time was that that was going to continue for quite some years. Of course, it didn't even continue for one full year after that. But Daryl Henderson was brought in very, very much to be a complement to that. And to be, I don't want to pigeonhole him or, you know, say, oh, third down back, because I, I think he's more than that. But in terms of the skill set that he brought, he was not brought in to be your your traditional lead back. He wasn't brought in to compete with Todd Gurley, let's put it that way, um, to the point where a year later, um, I, I think I even, you know, had to defend the Rams in some way because then they drafted Cam Akers. And people said, oh, well, that must mean Daryl Henderson is a bust because why would they draft another running back if they had Daryl Henderson? Well, because Daryl Henderson didn't change from year, year to year. He was never really viewed as that kind of, of guy. It wasn't like, oh, Todd Gurley is moving on. So now it's obvious that Daryl Henderson is going to step in and, and be the lead back. I don't think anybody who really watched the Rams all that closely or certainly watched Daryl Henderson all that closely thought that that was the obvious answer. And and that's why I'm not sure it's the obvious answer now for a third year, because now, unfortunately, horribly, you know, Cam Akers is is not able to go. And so again, to to think that you're just going to be able to to plug in Daryl Henderson and and have him do the same kind of things that that the Rams thought they could do with Cam Akers, you know, all the stuff that you just talked about. I, I don't know whether that's the case, but again, I don't, then I don't know what that means for a committee. You know, how, how does that how does that go then? I mean, if you, if you have guys back there who have two different styles, um, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that looks. So so that's why it causes me a little bit of of concern. It's not that I'm it's not that I'm down on Daryl Henderson or think that you know he's not talented enough to. Uh, to carry the load there. It's, it's just a little bit of concern, uh, you know, what, what the expectations are for, for him and, and just, you know, what kind of role he, he should reasonably be expected to fill, fill in the NFL. So I know, I, I guess we'll see Jordan, but, uh, you know, they do have some options. Uh, you know, I, I do think Xavier Jones is going to be the guy who, who gets a lot of attention. I'm sure people will be watching him. I'm sure, you know, you'll be watching him very closely, but, um, but I don't know. It'll just be fascinating to see how that plays out. Yeah. And one of the things I like to do is see when personnel people spend extra time with certain position groups. Um, one of the the things that really stuck with me about Xavier Jones last year was that, um, you know, when, when we were all distanced, obviously, but when Les Snead would come out uh, to practice, he would spend extra time with that running backs group because he was evaluating and um, clearly took a liking to Xavier Jones and his game. Aaron Donald complimented him uh, when he was asked for like maybe one player who really stood out to him after the pads went on. Um, he said his number because that's just Aaron's style. That's what he does. It's like nothing for anyone to take offense to. But he he said, uh, and I forget what number Xavier was, but we were all like scrambling, looking at our notes, our rosters, like, who is that? Who is that? <laughs> and we were like, oh, right. Xavier Jones. And um, and so right. when you get a shout out from Aaron Donald uh, as an undrafted rookie, I think that's a that's a pretty big deal. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But Rich, I think switching gears here, because this is certainly yeah. one of many things that are important to be watching for scheduling purposes, uh, just a reminder to Rams fans. So they've got practice for the next few days. Saturday is the first pads day, and that's going to be an event. It sounds like the Rams are doing up, doing it up big in Irvine. Um, so yeah. I know I got a lot of questions from some fans about, you know, can, you know, can you keep us updated on the pads days and all that stuff? NFL protocols give us some structure in terms of what days those can be. And, and so far there's like a a schedule that's set up for that, but things are subject to change. So I'll try to keep everyone as, as updated as far in advance as possible. But Saturday's definitely the first pads day and that's going to be exciting. That's when the real stuff you start to actually see, this is sort of an onboarding period. The Rams want to be smart about it, get a lot of uh, into the sports science of things of making sure that the soft tissue muscles are, uh, are, uh, protected. The tendons are protected that they're sort of building up into that. And the apex is going to be Saturday. Then they'll have a rest day. And then that apex is going to be when they have a couple of pads days and then go to Oxnard to, um, to, to practice against the Cowboys. So I think that, um, it's for me, even in between then we can learn so much from the install, how guys are aligned and also from how we are hearing people being coached and how we're hearing them communicate with each other. And so that can tell us a lot about where guys stand. And I think one of the big, the big things, and I'll start on the other side of the ball because you know, I'm defense biased. So I think (laughs) the inside linebackers are one of the thing, one of the positions where I think that's going to be a tough cut. And I, and and part of it is because you had three guys who did get so much experience last year. The Rams only kept three on their initial cutdown roster. And at times, and Kenny Young will still, Kenny Young laughs so hard about this. He brings it up every single time he's at the podium and he, he just starts laughing about it where so at times last year, there were only two inside linebackers active for game days. And they just ran yeah. with them. It was like for a long time, it was just Kenny and Troy that were active on game days. And the Rams put a lot in them um, to to make sure that they're trying to be activated. But then also Brandon Staley, he ran a really safety heavy defense and, and he favored scheming right. around the inside linebackers with extra safety help in some of those sub packages and in that penny package in particular. So I think that um, this is going to be a really tough cut. Now, in my roster projection, which you can find at theathletic.com, which I love to call every time, all doing these this time of year, I love to say is total exercise and futility because I haven't seen these guys with pads on yet. Um, but right. just based on, you know, some of the pre- educated guesses, as I like to say, you know, that's up on theathletic.com right now. We're, we're running a 50% off subscription deal for new subscribers, and that's going through August 9th. Um, perfect timing for training camp, to be honest. And it's like they yes. plan. It's like they plan that, Rich. Um, and so yeah, I, I'm. I've have them keeping five, and it really hurt, physically hurt me to not have Christian Roseboom on that list because I think he's he could be so talented. <laughs> yes. But I have them keeping yes. five, and the reason I have them keeping five this year is because I'm not sure if Raheem Morris will maybe come into it with a little bit of a different plan than Brandon Staley did last year. Um, and obviously right. Traven Howard was hurt last year, so it kind of made their decision. And they didn't have a draft pick. Uh, well. They did, but he got cut. But uh, they didn't have a high draft pick, so right. they, they weren't right. sort of 
swayed with those sort of champagne problems, right? So now, yeah. um, you know, it, but but it's going to be really, really interesting because that's a really tight cut at the end there because there are guys, you know, Trayvon yeah. Howard is playing catch up, but he very much fits that mold of a guy who can actually win win them some math, not only win them roster math in terms of he could he could drop if he needed to. He could play that hybrid safety role if he needed to. He could do some of that quicker, more um, sideline to sideline stuff that they they needed and that they do still need. Um, and he could sort of help them favor their numbers in terms of what they've got going on at safety as well. So I, I right. think that that you know if he can stay healthy, I, I think he's he's got a shot. You know, your Ernest Jones is going to make the roster. Um, just he you know he's a draft pick. He's talented. And then I have, you know, right. Micah Kaiser, Kenny Young, and Troy Reader, but that this is not going to be easy in terms of not just battling for, for starting time, um, but also yeah. you're figuring out who the tandems are going to be. Because as we mentioned before, and I've written about a lot, so far it seems like they the Rams are favoring a guy who's maybe a little bit stouter, um, can move, but also is more maybe more comfortable in the box. And then complimenting him in tandem that player stays on the field for most of the game then complimenting him in tandem with a guy like Kenny Young who can maybe be a little bit more versatile move around a little bit more um, help with some of the the pressure packages a guy like Traven Howard um, and so I, I kind of put Micah Kaiser Troy Reader and Ernest Jones in that first category and then I put Kenny Young and Traven Howard in yeah. that second category so it's going to be interesting how this shakes out but they will come in pairs um, but it just depends on what those pairs will be. So I I'm really interested to see that. Yeah, it's funny because you say five and that sounds like a lot. But then you look at the individual names and you say, well, it all makes sense for, for what you just said. And and also, I mean, these guys can play special teams and some of them are very valuable on, on special teams. So, it, it, yeah, I mean, you, who knows how it's going to develop during training camp or, you know, you Look, you never you never want this to happen, but injuries are inevitable, uh, and th things happen, especially with that group. We've seen it, uh, you know, almost every year. The last game, Traven Howard and Mike Kaiser having some injury problems in training camp. So uh, it's it's you know you can't set in, plan on the, being those five set in stone. But uh, Jordan, it, let's talk a little bit more about Ernest Jones because it's interesting to me, and and I don't I know he he's talked a little bit, and I know he's a guy who has a a good personality already, so he's he's seems like he feels comfortable already coming into um, a training camp. But when, when you talk about these pairs, and and I think that's a really a really wise way to put it, and and you know kind of how these guys might look on on the field or in tandems or whatever. Um, how, how do you, I know it's really early, but I mean, how do you see Ernest Jones there? Like what, it, what, what's his path uh, to, to kind of being a, a contributor early on if, if, if that's the case? Well, I think at some point they would like him to be their mic. So I, I do, I do get that sense at some point, not just when he was drafted, but also he was, I think he was, I think I had this in my piece back at the, uh, after the draft, um, I think he was Les Snead's favorite draft pick or like favorite guy in the draft. Um, mm. And I, I had that inside the Rams draft piece that came out. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but if my memory serves, right. um, I, I'm, I think he was Les Snead's favorite guy in the draft class in general, like of, right. of any prospect, not just linebackers. Right. So um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of massive. Right. Um, but I think, right. Right. They would like him to be that guy at some point. Now, can he do it right away? I don't know. And they might not feel like he needs to rush himself into that position. But he also has drawn a lot of comparisons to me, um, you know, speaking with people in the building, to Jordan Fuller. And we know what happened last year with Jordan Fuller. It wasn't just the fact that that he took advantage of an opportunity when, unfortunately, Taylor Rapp was, was dealing with an injury in camp. It's not just that Jordan Fuller took advantage of that opportunity. It's it's that he kept it. It's not just that he yeah. was a body put in a spot um, to fill space while Taylor was was recovering. It's that he thrived in it and took took it over. And so that's something where we have to really watch Ernest because if he does get an opportunity, there is a sense that he's the type of guy um, that that can do something like that. Now now. There is also the balance to play too, because you want to play the guys you have, and you want to make sure that if if you've got 
um, you know, guys who have that already have that starting experience um, and that game experience, then that's that's really, really valuable as well. So you're kind of walking that line as a coach on how many reps to get certain guys in and who to sort of slide in in the lead spot. And I think that it's okay if he's not starting right away, week one, whatever, because I do think right. that in terms of his development trajectory, the, you know, it's, if the earlier he can start, that's just icing on the cake. They, they, at some point, I think, believe right. he will be their starter. It's just, you know, when, when that happens will depend on obviously other guys' availability, but also, you know, it's okay if he doesn't, because he can take a little more time developing and putting the pieces together and, and all of those things. Because even though Jordan Fuller was thriving in that position, you know, he'll be the first one to tell you there were things still that he was kind of learning on the fly. And, and it was a tough, it was really stressful. It was a tough year. So any stresses that that the, the Rams can remove from these young players, I think they're going to try. Um, but I do see that trajectory and, and I do fit him in that mold of a guy who stays on the field the entire game. Um, he, he is, uh, I, he looks more solid than I thought he would, um, giant, giant hands, which is great. Cause he loves to try to bat down the ball at the line of scrimmage. And he did that a bit, quite a bit, uh, at South Carolina. And it was funny. He was holding on the edges of the podium and I was like, huh, <laughs> that's how, so that's the, so that's how you got a hand on, uh, up, up in quarterbacks faces and all this stuff. Um, right. Right, right. And so, uh, and, and he just, he loves to play in the box, loves it, loves it, loves it, loves it. And he he spoke about it so glowingly. Um, I asked him about how he negotiates traffic and, and all of that. And uh, he, he just had uh, some great comments and you can go check those out over at The Athletic. I wrote about him um, earlier this week. And that's that's what I think. So you pair in complement to him, you pair guys who are more fluid, maybe uh, a couple of guys who could could be in a hybrid role, um, it, you know, it, guys like Kenny Young, guys like Traven Howard. And so I would expect to see him and Traven Howard working a lot together um, as camp opens. I would actually be surprised if I don't see that because I think they're going to at least start with some of the guys that they worked with last year who have that game experience, but you just never yeah. know what could happen, Rich. I mean, I mean, really, you really, we thought, we thought one thing going into camp last year. Um, we thought so many things about this defense going into camp last year. That at least is not an issue. I talked to Kenny Young about this today, actually. They feel a lot calmer yeah. this year because they're not learning a completely new system for the first time. That's also, right. by the way, something that basically nobody in the league is playing. <laughs> so they they're right, they're right. finally they're they're coming back for a second year. Obviously Raheem Morris will add his wrinkles into it and everything, but Kenny Young talked about how they feel a lot calmer this year because they know the language already. They're not just installing something for the first time ever. They they're coming back to something. Um which I think was a, an important and probably a wise decision that that was made by the coaching staff. But you know, yeah. Rich, I think um we we always kind of worry about the outside linebacker depth. And now that you've seen, you, you've, you've listened yeah. to Sean's presser and you've seen some of the, the stuff that's come out of camp um, so far, I'm wondering what you're thinking about, about that space. Yeah, I, 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 I do have, uh, you know, still some, some concerns there. And, and a lot of it is I, I want so, but you know, you talk about guys that you, that you kind of cheer for or guys, you know, who you, you hope succeed, like, you know, Obo Okoronkwo, Obo Okoronkwo is a guy who I, you know, it just, you look at him and I think, man, this guy could really do some damage if if he could stay healthy if he could stay on the field i've seen it in glimpses and in individual games or moments where you go wow this this guy has the skills he has the he has the talent to get this done um his ability to stay on the field again like we're talking about with daryl henderson it's just can you can you count on this for for now 17 games um if you were able to ever able to put that all together uh, I, I would feel pretty good about that. Um, Terrell Lewis, again, another guy like I, I will always my my memory of Terrell Lewis will always be the day he was drafted. And I went and looked at his, you know, really a good <laughs> clip of his high, and I just my jaw dropped and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like this, this is a college kid. Like, I mean, he looked like, you know, I mean, he looked like he was 25 years old who'd been in the league for, for, for three years. 
Um, but again, same kind of thing. Like if, if he can stay on the field, if, if they can somehow manage that uh, in some type of, of rotation or, or whatever it might be to, to, to keep him healthy, um, a fantastic player. Uh, Justin Holland's an interesting one, Jordan. And I was actually going to ask you about him because I saw his name kind of come up uh, a, a couple times. And I have to admit, I mean, I certainly was aware when when he came in and, you know, saw him play a little bit of, you know, spot duty here and there. And obviously he was, he was a guy who Brandon Staley was was familiar with when, from playing in, in Denver. So he certainly knows, you know, some, some of that system or the, the version of it that they were running. Um, so is he is he kind of one of those hinge guys, Jordan, to where like if, if they get some contributions out of him, then then that group starts looking a little bit better? Yeah. And, you know, Justin Hollins got name dropped by Sean McVay in his opening presser, which yeah. I, I think we always have to pay attention to other than when it's talking about a competition at center. Um, I think we always have to pay attention to when he na- like specifically name drops people. Um, because that in turn, I would not be surprised if Raheem Morris really, really likes Justin Hollins. The number one thing that Raheem Morris loves in outside linebackers is length. And Justin Hollins is six, five, and he is rangy. Like he's got long arms, long legs. Um, he doesn't have like crazy high hips or anything like that. Like he's got, he's got one of those, like he, he fills his frame basically, and and that's really good in terms of balance when you're going around the edge, that kind of stuff. So I think that um, it, it's that to me says that, first of all, he fits that mold that Raheem Morris really likes in an outside linebacker. But also he was starting to come along a little bit more as the as the season ended. He was starting to get a little bit more opportunities and um, was was really close on a lot of plays. I think if you go back and look, um, he was he was kind of always around the action, even if he wasn't the one who was who was right there in it. He was like very close. You could see. So I think that that that's um, he's a guy who I'll definitely keep an eye on. Because I think you are still, like we've been talking about, you are going to look at a rotation between Terrell Lewis, Justin Hollins, Obo Okoronkwo. And I think I I personally have maybe, I don't know if I'll be wrong about this by the time camp ends, but I also plugged Chris Garrett into my initial prediction because okay. um, yeah. he also does have that length and he's super moldable and he took all this extra time with Leonard Floyd in the spring to work on technique and um, you know, I, th- I think, I think there might be something there, crazy productive in college, um, even at a, a lower level. So I, I think there's something there, but in going back to put to this rotation, I agree with you on Oboe. I would like to see him succeed and thrive because what a great guy, first of all, second of all, yeah. has, has been waiting for his moment and his turn and just has had those, those injury issues and could really be an effective speed rusher. I know we we mentioned that on a previous podcast, but like some of the technical stuff that he's added to his arsenal, like you yeah. could really see him being an effective speed rusher in a speed power package combination with a Terrell Lewis, with a Justin Hollins, opposite right. Leonard Floyd. So there's something here. I do think there's potential here, but it's just like what we were talking about with, with Daryl Henderson. You just yeah. don't know yet because these guys, other than Justin, in this rotation, you just don't know. Chris Garrett's an unknown. Charles Lewis can't stay healthy. Um, uh, Oboe also had has battled the injury issues, and and the knee with Charles Lewis is a known a known entity now. They know they will have to keep him on a pitch count. Um, he did not practice right. the entire spring. Um, the Rams went through their their physical and conditioning work um, on uh, Tuesday. As we're recording this, they're finishing that stuff up. Um, Sean McVay did not expect anyone to be on the pup list entering camp, but there's always surprises here and there. So we'll probably wait and see Wednesday morning or, or Wednesday early afternoon. Um, but he didn't practice in the spring. And so, you know, how much is he going to be able to yeah. contribute? You know, I, I don't worry about Leonard Floyd. Um, after last season, if Leonard Floyd can can play at that level consistently, um, I don't worry about his his durability. And I am knocking on wood, as you hear. Mm-hmm. Right, I don't worry right. about that. Um, I don't worry about his ability, what he can do. Um, the Rams freaking love him. Um, anybody you talk to in the building loves Leonard Floyd. And um, they're starting to warm up quite a bit to Justin Hollins as well. So I think that this is going to be uh, an interesting interesting group to watch. And, you know, but I think and and we always have that now, I think, with some of these guys that availability question um, will will be the biggest yeah. one. And then also kind of what's what's happening on the interior. 
You know, I I really I think yeah. that some of these interior spots, there's like these quiet battles between some of these guys on the interior, aren't there, Rich? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And then that's going to be, I mean, there's there's certain players on the roster who you're like, okay, well, you, you know what you're going to get. And you can put Aaron Donald at the top of that list. Um, but, uh, you know, I, 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 looking at... Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, like I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, what he can do with a little bit more of a, a role and just in terms of responsibilities and things like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at these two, uh, you know, talking about these rookies again. Maybe my eyes are just drawn to them because you know they are uh, new <laughs> and we don't know exactly, you know, what they can bring. But um, you know, talking about Bobby Brown and and, and Ernest Brown in there, and uh, you know, I, I know both of those guys so so eager to to work with a guy like Aaron Donald, and I'm sure just going to be spongy. Um, uh, during this time but but again when you start looking at the numbers game there and and I'm also uh, you know looking at a guy like Gray Gaines it's like okay well well how many how many you're gonna are you going to keep on on that inside there you you've got Aaron Donald you've got Sebastian Joseph Day you've got Ashawn Robinson uh, and and then you're looking well how, how many how many are going to make the cut there because then you've got the two rookies um, and you've got Gray Gaines and you've got a couple other guys who have been hanging around the last couple of years like an Eric Banks uh, somebody like that. So uh, there, there's there's going to be some competition there, but I, I really think it's going to be how much can those can those rookies take on? I got to be honest, like if I'm if I'm great gains, I'm I'm probably a little bit nervous right now, um, just because you know you, you're if if there's a if there's a benefit of the doubt, it's probably going to be given to a rookie uh, who is you know might have a little bit of a higher ceiling or, or have something to show uh, during during the course of a season. So. I I don't know. You're you're the numbers guru, Jordan, and I know you've 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 doped all this this stuff out. But uh, but if if I'm looking at one guy there who's going to have to have a really really good training camp, I think it's great gains. Yeah, he. I mean, he certainly has to, um, you know, be an effective contributor. And and I might think though that because you have you're going to do a rotation. Um, and Greg Gaines does fit a little bit more of that maybe space eating role. I do think that right. maybe maybe he does stick just because you don't have a ton of known experience behind those front three in Aaron Donald, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Ashawn Robinson. So I would not be surprised if Greg Gaines does get into that rotation a little bit as Bobby Brown is working into you know being in the NFL at such a young age. So I I wouldn't be surprised if Greg you know obviously made the final cut, but I think. That's where it creates this really very tight competition between a guy like Ernest Brown and a guy like Michael Hoyt, because Eric Banks, I think, um, I, I think I have him making the roster. He did last year, and I think he he's that body type and and that uh, that you know combination, you know, pass rush, also you know, effective run stopper kind of type. That I think they they really very much want to keep developing, um, but I look at a guy like Michael Hoyt who has been adding some of that inside and outside versatility. Um, obviously, seeing an opportunity as Morgan Fox last year took yeah. and and developed into that opportunity, and they found a way to use him. And so I think Michael Hoyt sees that, and he's like, I could I could do something similar to that. And and I do know that he'd been working with Ed McGilvra in the in the off season, um, especially with some pass rush technique. But Ernest Brown is a draft pick, and he also has been told yeah. by by coaches has been told by Eric Henderson that they'd like him to stay at the body type that he is now, which is a little bit undersized. Which he he said it his words, not mine. Um, but he, but, you know, he's a smaller than one of those like big bulky, you know, really like, you know, three tech kind of guys. And, and so he is someone who I think then is in direct competition with Michael Hoyt. And I think the draft pick does always have the advantage. Crazier things have happened, but I do think the draft pick always has the advantage in that regard. Um, not just because he's a draft pick and that's the NFL for you, but also because he projects very well into that long-term versatile role. And he was selected specifically to do that. Um, so I think that that's, that's a little bit going to be a little bit interesting. It's one of those quieter competitions that we talk about entering camp um, that I think might be interesting to watch. And, you know, Aaron Donald is, is Aaron Donald. <laughs> 99, 99 <laughs> club in Madden for a fifth year in a row. We asked Ashawn Robinson, like, you know, after his presser wrapped, we were like, 
99, huh? Is there ever going to be, you think we could ever be 100? He's like, if there ever was going to be someone, it'd be for Aaron Donald. <laughs> so. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. That is true. Yeah, Jordan, you look at and like so I'm looking at the initial 53 from last year. I mean, it was six interior linemen, it was five um, edge guys, and it was three inside guys. So like, I, and those numbers can fluctuate. It doesn't mean they have to stay uh, with that. I mean, they they can keep a, a you know one less safety. They can keep one less offensive lineman, and and you know put, and boost those positions if they need to. But wow, we, I mean, we've thrown a lot of names out there. You know, and and there's there's not going to be that many spots for 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 those names that have been thrown out there. So yeah, there's there's going to be uh, some some real fierce competition. I think, especially in that interior line, um, it may it may be that inside linebacker spot. I think in the outside linebacker spot, you you might have to see somebody really fighting to uh, to keep one of those spots. So uh, those are the ones that are fun to watch. And and really, I I know you're a defense person anyway, Jordan. But like even in training camp, I always I always loved watching those. I loved watching the the pass rushers and and you know especially the on those live drills and and seeing what their skills were and how they turned the corner and things like that so really great opportunity to to, to watch some of those uh some of those guys and, and kind of see how they develop so um jordan the, the only thing i'm looking forward to is is i i imagine I imagine we're, there's going to be daily updates on the on the long snappers, right? Oh, there, of you're going to have kind of yeah. It's just there, there's going to be daily insight into uh, who's winning the competition, snap totals, all that stuff. Here's the thing: I would very much like to be able to provide that, and I think I hope I don't know how the field layout's going to be, but I hope there's an opportunity for me to actually get eyes on some of these guys. You know, when we are in Thousand Oaks, they put them on the very far end of the field, um, like behind the big TVs and the big columns. So, you know, I I could not tell you who took the majority of the long snaps. And um, the scrimmage actually told me the most about some of these guys, like, um, you know, in terms of of punting and in terms of of trying to figure out, like, where some of these guys fit in and and how some of these guys – could could contribute. And what I did notice is that, you know, Brandon Wright is uh the the younger punter, um, the first year punter that they brought in. Um, and I think they sort of brought him in as maybe a live leg, um, in terms of and what I mean right. by that is someone who can do a variety of different things in order to um help them figure out what they need in other spaces in terms of their coverage units. Um, a live leg gives you a great look um, for what you want to do at returner and figuring that out. Um, so I think that, that that was the initial plan. But from what I saw from him through the spring, I actually would not be surprised if they kept him as one of their protected practice squad members because he can do everything. I mean, this dude's kicking field goals punting and taking kickoffs. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, hey, if uh, you want to, you know, have other guys protected, you got one guy who can play three positions in terms of that kickoff guy, the punter and the the kicker in case one of your other guys goes down. Oh, uh, that's a mathematical win i would think <laughs> and so you right. can a lot right. a lot those other practice squad spots to to other people who you'd like to protect um and especially if it's a quarterback for example um because i don't know that bryce perkins would make it through another year protected on the practice squad considering what we right. saw happen with quarterbacks last year so you know that's going to be really interesting to me and 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 johnny hecker i've really appreciated appreciated his candidness in, in discussing his own situation and um, treating this as a competition with Corey Barraquez, the left-footed punter who the Rams acquired um, off waivers from Buffalo. Or no, was he cut? Uh, they, uh, I think I think they got him off waivers. It's hard to remember. It was a long time ago when this happened. Um, yes. But anyway, so so I think that um, he that's going to be really interesting moving forward because Johnny will be the first to tell you that the, the only thing – that is, um, or the the main thing, and, and the thing that we have to keep in mind is that the the financial component, and those are his words, where you know he stands to make or he stands to count for something like four point seven, four point nine million against the cap um, in twenty twenty one. So you know, if if the Rams get in a really tight spot elsewhere on the roster, um, that could be something that that is discussed is, is something that's factored factored in as camp continues. Um, I do think they've found their kicker in Matt Gay. So um, at least we yeah. hopefully won't be talking about that 
uh, every week, although I'll kind of miss it, Rich, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not convinced we won't be talking about it again at some point and, and nothing against Matt You're Day. A but, uh, <laughs> you're a realist. <laughs> I just know kickers too well, I think. Yeah. yeah, you're, you're a realist here, but yeah, I, I'm definitely <laughs> looking forward to covering the, the special teams battle. And there's a lot of nuance there that, you know, I'm going to be learning as we go to guys. Like, I don't know what makes the perfect long snap, right? But I can count how many times one guy get you know snaps the ball uh, to Johnny Hecker right. as the place guy um, as a placeholder. Right. I uh, I can count, so at least I will be able to to try to get that for you. But really, really excited about it, Rich. Um, and, and finally, you know, in finally getting to see some some live football, some actual you know kind of seventy five percent football. And then as we get to those joint practices, that'll be fun. Um, and, and listeners, yeah. I wanted to remind you guys that um, Rich and I, we're back doing weekly. We're a little bit delayed this week. Um, it's my fault. Uh, I'm all over the place here, getting out here and checked into camp. Um, so I did see a couple of your tweets. Uh, yes, we were, quote unquote, lagging on the podcast. Uh, that is my fault. Uh-oh. We, did we get we, called out? We did, and fairly so. And and we did yes. take a little bit of a break because we are human. Um, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's been a lot of work the last couple of weeks. And I'm excited that those projects will soon be unveiled for you guys to see. Um, but I've kind of been in a tunnel the last couple of weeks. So um, very, very excited to be back on a weekly schedule with the 11 personnel podcast. Normally we try to record on Mondays. Sometimes it might be Tuesdays, depending on how the, the travel schedule looks and what sort of shakes out during the week. But we so appreciate you guys um, for over a year, um, over well over now, 100 episodes of, of listening to us, of uh, having inside jokes with us, of subscribing through the podcast where you get my favorite thing of all time. Rich, what is it? A great discount. A great discount. My favorite thing of all time. Everybody do a shot. And I uh, I just can't wait to, to talk about this season with you, Rich. Um, as always, uh, it's been a real pleasure. You can find me on Twitter at Jordan Rodriguez, And you can find Rich Hammond on Twitter at Rich underscore Hammond. And we'll see you guys next week. Yeah.